Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Here in Ukraine, President Volodymyr Zelensky says Russian forces are advancing toward a third nuclear power plant. It was just Friday that Russia seized control of Europe's largest nuclear power plant in Ukraine's port city of Zaporizhia. The facility came under intense shelling and at one point caught on fire, raising the specter of a nuclear disaster in the middle of Russia's invasion. Now, the International Atomic Energy Agency says Russian forces have cut off almost all communication with the staff running the plant. Mariana Bujarin is Ukrainian and a nuclear expert at Harvard's Belfer Center and says a staff that's scared and exhausted could make mistakes. Uh, you can imagine that these people, these specialists and operators of nuclear reactors, they are they're under duress. They must feel like hostages in their own plant. They must be worried about the safety of their family members. Uh, so there's certainly a human element to safety and security and the ability of people to carry out under these conditions, to carry out their duties and to maintain all of the safety procedures necessary for the operation of a nuclear power plant. What do you think the strategy is behind an attack like this? And what does it mean for the other plants in Ukraine? Well, if you control the country's uh, power supply, you have a, a great extent of control over that country writ large. Ukraine uh, relies very heavily on nuclear energy. About 50% of its energy mix, overall energy mix, comes from nuclear power plants. So if you seize those, you pretty much control what people get for electricity, what industry gets for electricity. Uh, and it's one of the ways to control and subdue a country. You mentioned, you know, this is a violation of international law, the way this plant was attacked and occupied. Just lay out for us what it would mean if it overheated, if it exploded. What would it mean? What would happen? So since the Chernobyl nuclear uh, accident, uh, the international community learned uh, and we're designing our uh, reactors and uh, reactor buildings uh, in a more responsible way. However, none of these structures were designed with a full blown full-scale war in mind. Mm. We designed to the previous accidents, right? We learned from the previous accidents, from Chernobyl, from the Three Mile Island, from Fukushima Daiichi, and we improved based on the, the things that went wrong there. We clearly have not experienced anything like this before, whether backup systems could be damaged, whether mm -hmm. uh, diesel fuel could be exploded. Whether right? it runs out. So, <laughs> Or whether it runs out after a while, right? There, It, it isn't um, an endless supply of diesel. So uh, I, am, I am extremely worried. And also, if there really is uh, a nuclear event, uh, as we say it, so some kind of radioactive release, um, it, what we've learned in the past, uh, both in Chernobyl and in uh, Fukushima Daiichi accidents, is that a nuclear accident anywhere, 
is really nuclear accident everywhere. You cannot control the weather. The winds can carry this radioactivity far and wide. It could affect Russia. It, uh, Chernobyl accident affected much of Central and Northern Europe. There have been contamination as far out as in Ireland and in Wales. Some sheep farms have been closed and have not been able to sell their livestock until early 2000s. So we're not only talking about the geography of contamination. We're talking about a time scale of decades oh, that, that these consequences could could continue to play out. Bajaran says she worries that if Putin is bested militarily, he has a terrifying card to play. Putin cannot be seen as losing to Ukraine. Mm. That would be a terrible thing for him, to be seen as losing to someone like Ukrainians, whom he looks like, uh, by all indications, looks like he despises. In that case, and I swear I would not even contemplate something like that eight days ago. Uh, But now it does not sound so inconceivable. In that case, I wonder if he might resort to use of a tactical, of a small nuclear weapon to shock Ukraine on Ukrainian territory somewhere, and the target Mm. would be secondary, to shock Ukraine into surrender. Wow. Wow. When you say tactical, what does that actually mean? Like, how many people, what area gets affected? There's a range. Uh, so there are certainly, uh, you know, bombs or shells that are more powerful than Hiroshima. So, but I think Hiroshima is a good approximation. So something like Hiroshima. Oh, man. So when you say small, you mean, I mean, in my opinion, that sounds big. Right. But in today's terms, Hiroshima is a is a is a small weapon, is a small nuclear weapon. So this is something, you know, a destruction of a city or some large large military target, like an air base or an airport, uh, that could certainly uh, be an option or a target of a a tactical nuke. Another possible thing is to do, is to explode um, a nuclear weapon in the atmosphere above the city, and uh, cause the so-called electromagnetic pulse. Mm. So that would just knock out electricity and radio signal in, you know, the radius, I don't know, of of a few miles. And again, that would incapacitate a city. But, you know, technically, perhaps it wouldn't be radiation poisoning, and perhaps the, the nuclear taboo might not be crossed in such an egregious way. So there are options with nuclear use that are short of, you know, the destruction of, of, the, of humankind. And, right. and this is precisely why Russia holds on to so many tactical nuclear weapons. There's almost 3,000 of them in central storages. They claim they're not deployed, but it's, it's not very hard to take them out of the storage and, and bring them to units. And I, I think American satellites are watching these storages very, very closely. So at least we have some comfort that we might have some advance warning should there be an activity around, um, around these nuclear storages. That's terrifying. Mariana Bujarin, a Ukrainian expert at the Project on Managing the Atom at Harvard University's Belfer Center. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) 
Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Amgen, a biotechnology pioneer leading the fight against the world's toughest diseases such as cancer, heart disease, asthma, and osteoporosis. In a new era of human health, Amgen continues to accelerate the pace of change, operating sustainably and drawing upon deep knowledge of science to push beyond what's known today. With each decade, they reliably deliver powerful new therapies to patients. Learn more at Amgen.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor Betterment. Confusing eye contact with a mysterious stranger is never chill. But Betterment is the investing app that lets you be totally chill about your finances. Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Humans are kind of overrated. Over on Shortwave, a science podcast, we're only kind of kidding. We're bringing you the wondrous world of animal science to your daily life. From queer animal love stories to songbird memories, we're showing you how critter knowledge informs human science. Listen now to Shortwave, a podcast from NPR.